This is the Machination Log for June 3rd, 2016. I'm your host, David Paddock. To my left, at about 120 degrees, Dylan George. It's really hot. He's in the building. 120 degrees is really hot. Another 120 degrees clockwise from him, we've got Mitchell Londrigan. Here you have to slow down the sun instead of beating it up. We're talking 240 degrees over there. How are you feeling? Oh, it's, it's boiling. Is it enough to restart the sun? I think it should be. I don't think that is, but we'll science switch aside, over to Celsius. Gents, we got a topic to discuss here today. We just got done watching the final three episodes of season two of Better Call Saul. Should we have been doing this in the three episode increments that we've been watching them in? Shut up. Anyway, so <laughs> I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about for this because we just finished this and I've still got some reeling thoughts about this particular episode, and I'm slightly more drunk than I expected to be at this point. Really? But we're going to roll with it. Um, yeah, I haven't been eating a whole lot. Ah, uh, gotcha. Do you have anything more than a beer? No, yeah, no. One, not re- oh, oh, you mean as far as drinks? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, but as part of my resolution for June, I've decided to actually go back on the diet I was supposed to be on. Don't stop drinking. Oh, okay. I thought that was your new resolution. I woke up at 5 a.m. today. Resolution? I haven't had much... Uh, sleep or anything else for that matter. Okay, that's that's good. I did go swimming though. That was fun. Nice. It is fun. I don't Something's good. Do that, bro. But regardless, there's no swimming to be had in New Mexico, as far as I can tell. Nope. No, they don't have water there. They yeah. do have a pool in this season, though. He's not swimming in it, though. He's lounging. Yeah, yeah he's lounging. It's a pretty good scene. He's got yeah. his own float for his phone. Yeah. And chips. So separate uh, <laughs> separate chip float and yes. Oh float. yeah. <laughs> The lap of luxury. So let's take this pool and dive right into it then. Um, This season, we didn't talk about uh, Better Call Saul Season 1. No, we didn't. But Uh, uh, here's the summary. It's pretty good. Yeah, and that'll be left up to you at home. It is definitely better than Game of Thrones Season 5. If you want to see how ridiculous the Emmys are and how they vote for Yeah, no. uh, The Emmys feel like they were trying to catch up for not giving them votes in earlier seasons with that and uh that's dramatically and uh horrendously unfair because better call saul is actually worth watching um (laughs) yeah uh, better aside from having one of the best cold opens to a season i've ever seen on television it has it for many episodes cold opens in the show are super solid um it is uh it's hard to rec it's a shame that it's so hard to recommend the show if you either haven't seen Breaking Bad or don't like Breaking Bad because Vince Gilligan is at the helm in Better Call Saul to a uh, rather obvious degree. Um, The quiet suburbia, the awkward conversations where at least one person knows way too much about what's going on and the other person does not but suspects all of those things. Um, There's a lot of camera shots of small things looking at larger things through, uh, let's, uh, I mean, we're at the bottom of cabinets, uh, coffee like, cup holders. He likes his bottom-up shots. Oh, he's I, I, way I, about those. The wide shot of somebody relatively close watching something really far away. Yeah. No. Those are some of my favorite. The cinematography in this show is prime Breaking Bad style. And that's actually, to the mo- for the most part, this show basically seems to be Breaking Bad's style with none of its storyline. Yeah. Um, I think going into that a little bit, I think it's more the style of the latter seasons of Breaking Bad. 
the first season of Breaking Bad is very different tonally. That's than fair. The last couple of seasons. Mm. Absolutely. They, they well, definitely take the, the tone of the last couple of seasons of Breaking Bad, and that's kind of better call so. They yeah. really came into their own with those seasons, though, as an identity instead of just as a concept, though. Yeah. They really took it to... They're able to make the seemingly benign become really intense, and because the stakes are lower in this show, just inherently of only dabbling in drug cartels instead of uh, operating within and without. And uh, Mike doesn't kill everybody. Yeah, and Mike show. doesn't just kill everyone. He's actually trying not to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Crazy. In yeah, clever ways. Because of all of the, the way the cinematography is handled, it really builds attention that um, I don't think would be there without. I, I This show could be done <laughs> really fucking bad. Oh, this show could be perfectly procedural. I, this could be NCIS for all. Oh, God, yeah. For, for all of its design. I mean, it really is just following a lawyer that plays by his own rules for the most part and a cop turned mercenary. I mean, this could be two very generic storylines yeah. put together in, you know, just generic one-liner fashion. Actually, you, now that you pointed it out that way, that is most uh, shows just kind of on TV. Yeah, they just yeah. need a doctor and they could... They yeah. have the whole prime time <laughs> slot filled. Have you guys watched any other shows about lawyers? Because there are show, lots of shows with lawyers in them, but... I've seen um, a little bit of Law & Order, but uh, that doesn't really map to this. Yeah, it's more about cops. I mean, I've seen some of Boston Legal, which is more a, a lawyer show. In this Obviously show, they... very different. They, <laughs> like, almost get into the nitty-gritty of... Well, I wouldn't say it's nitty-gritty, but it's more of a nod to the actual legal proceedings of, like... They're trying to get dates in courtrooms, and it's like a huge plot device in a couple scenes. There is surprisingly little actual courtroom drama. Yeah, there's no courtroom drama. It's getting there at all that's usually the problem. Which I appreciate because most most lawyerly shows... It's all about the yeah, it's all about, about the courtroom and the sudden revealing of evidence that everybody would already know about by the time you went in there. And granted, this the show plays a little fast and loose with things, but right. you expect that up front because Jimmy, Slip and Jimmy at the front of this, uh, done by Bob Odenkirk in prime, prime Odenkirk. Like, <laughs> man, this he is a really good slimy lawyer. Um, he doesn't have to know. Every detail. Um, he needs to know what works. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's, uh, he puts in the work. I really like, uh, just uh, the last episode hammered this home. I like the way that he embodies everyone's paranoia about him to <laughs> such a powerful degree. Like, And this does show up in a couple of other shows, but it's just the way that he is greasy works really well for this. Where... The, a lot, and I won't spoil it in case anybody hasn't seen it, but the conceit of the final couple of episodes is that Jimmy has, perf and this it applies to several other instances, Jimmy has done a thing perfectly, and people suspect that he has done this thing, but to anyone who doesn't know Jimmy personally, it seems insane that he would go to these lengths to be a greaseball. <laughs> But he does, and seeing that play out is really cool. And a lot of way, in a lot of ways, that that harkens back to Breaking Bad itself, where you have a chemistry teacher using every bit of applied science to overtake drug cartels in the process of creating meth. I mean, that's a lot of what made you know Skyler. Everybody complains about Skyler and Breaking I Bad. I think she was one I of the best. Fairly. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I agree. She was a well acted character, though. Yeah, well, and say. 
And there's just, she's there's also a, right about everything. There's there's <laughs> only so much she lot. can do because yeah. what she's trying to stand up against is a, a phenomenon. Uh. <laughs> and Jimmy is the same way on a lesser scale in yeah. the show. And uh, in the same way, I guess Chuck, his brother, is uh, the Skylar of the show, where you're kind of confused as to how she's working as a character. <laughs> she, the all right, so the brother. I would say is my biggest hang up on the show just because of how nonsensical his, del <laughs> I mean, I, I guess he can't have like a more practical delusion if you're working in delusions. Um, like he's not seeing ghosts and stuff, uh, which yeah, would be a Chuck, fun conceit. Chuck McGill, who is the, who within the role of the show is the perfect guardian angel lawyer. Like he knows, he knows his shit inside and out. He's never wrong about anything. The Morgan and Morgan. Yes, the Morgan and Morgan of the show. Actually, it is <laughs> yeah. it is Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill. Yep. He is the Morgan, Morgan, Gilbert, I guess. Yep. If we go back far enough before they fire him. Um, no, there was a third person in... Yeah, it was Morgan, Colling, and Gilbert. Yeah! Yeah, that was the And old. they just keep bringing in more Morgans. More, yeah, they just bring in Morgans. <laughs> more Morgans. But uh, I really appreciate Vince Gilligan's casting of characters. He is not afraid... To go outside. I mean, the what is the greatest point of star power in Vince Gilligan's two shows we're talking about here? It probably is Brian Cranston. Yeah, like he's the most notable figure. If anything, uh, he made more stars. Well, I've, exactly, and I appreciate that I've, he allows people to be eccentric that way. And Chuck McGill is a perfect example of this because his character, aside from being the lawyer upright, he is allergic to electricity <laughs> in the show, and. As a crazy guy, he is one of my favorite, <laughs> just crazy old people. Um, every scene where he has to tackle with being outside or near light bulbs or any of that stuff, yeah. he's got his teeth gritted, he's like almost cross-eyed, and it's it's fantastic. It's like Monty Python quality, Mel Brooks quality, <laughs> insane looking. They do such a good job of towing the line between making it comedic and making it dramatic. Yeah. With with his condition, it's, oh, it's fantastic. It is really good. What, what my favorite line from from this past episode was: uh, um, "Poor Ernesto was uh, seeing you like a doing your best baked potato impression, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wrapped up in space blankets to keep the electricity out." <laughs> so good. Oh man, yeah. I, something about him as I feel like he is a bit of a a bit too much of a device for. I mean the the printer shop scene couldn't have gone wrong unless he just had an actual but that's the thing he can't have an actual medical problem because that <laughs> would take him too far out of it and he can't be like super super mentally out of it he has to be towing the line in this perfect kind of way and it's a bit too perfect oh he is a device there's yeah. no doubt about that uh, yeah, he is a voice of reason that only he's a voice of reason in fits and starts he is the craziest voice of reason <laughs> yeah it's pretty good yeah so the other he's the main new character aside from kim and howard i guess would be the other two sure kim more than kim howard. wexler and howard hamlin yeah right. do you think i think as, kim uh, is the real i think she's hero. good i like her she's oh. so cute i like howard too i think they're both well done uh howard's a terrifying human being huh. yeah um very psychopathic kind of look to him <laughs> 
able to hold a dead stone glazed face and then walk into a room full of people and spring into a mask. Oh, he's oh, he's the face of that was one of my favorite good. Yeah. He's the face of a company. Yeah, <laughs> like nobody's business. Yeah. And Kim, I'm surprised they don't focus more on Kim. Yeah, she's frankly, good, she she's doesn't a, show up all that much. She's a good character. Yeah. Um, I think she's the true good guy because when I think of even the stuff that I mean, Howard is just an upsetting human being. And Chuck plays the uh, lawful good position, but lawful good does come with its own tribulation. Like, he is genuinely trying to destroy his brother. He's vindictive. Yeah, yeah. he's very, he's well, he kind also, of a, sh- he's kind of a dick. Arguing spoilers? I guess we have to do. Um, at some point. We're in yeah. the second season. We haven't, we haven't tried to discuss a TV show, so I'm. Sort of trying to feel the out second how season of a TV show <laughs> about, that requires seeing another series. What about first season spoilers? Is what? That okay, I'll leave yeah, that's on. no. I think how about I think Breaking Bad spoilers. I think everything is fine. I think we laid down at two goes back. If, what? Watch, watch Breaking Bad first, then watch, then watch Better Call Saul season one, and then watch Better Call Saul season two. You got a solid yeah. seventy hours to catch up where we <laughs> are, and then listen to what Mitchell's about to say. Right, I'll, I'll give a dramatic pause just to, just so you can watch yeah, everything uh, in between. Give you a minute to just do that real fast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so they set up the first season uh, with Howard being the bad guy, and you think he's the one who denied Jimmy the the post at Howard Howard McGill. I mean, as the face of a corporation, he looks the part. So yes, he does. And uh, then you find out that he's, I mean, he's not a good guy, but he's not a bad guy. He didn't want to deny Jimmy the post. It was all his brother. Yep. the whole time. What a jerk! And, just make a one of those D and D charts for all the characters in the show. Yeah. <laughs> Betrayed. Uh, yeah. Although actually that ends up being one of the weird things is J- that Jimmy, Jimmy and Chuck evil. Jimmy they have a weird relationship. They just they just go back and forth over and over and over and over again. Yeah. So it's uh that's this is this show very much has a the more things change, the more things stay the same kind of vibe to yeah, it. it like everybody's relationship to one another is more or less the same the whole time. Even though Jimmy doesn't originally realize that Chuck is actually out to get him that way. He kind of still knows. Yeah. He kind of understands the resentment. It just becomes more solidified. Well, his whole thing, at least in the first season, is about trying to live up to Chuck's expectations of him. And that's why he went to law school yeah. at night to try to become a lawyer. And then it's crushing when he finds out that Chuck basically threw him out yeah. Into, the, yeah. into the cold after. Uh, it's a, it's a nice a little subtle commentary where people continue to be what you expect them to be. Um, oh yeah well and that's remaining the same my favorite line in the entire show is in the first season it's uh the kettlemans who are god i just i don't i didn't want anyone in the show to, i didn't want anybody in the show to kill them i wanted to kill them. <laughs> like i wanted to reach out and strangle both of them but they say in the middle of a tense moment when Jimmy is at a, a point of reckoning and just can't understand why he can't win, one of the Kettlemans says, you're the kind of lawyer that guilty people hire. And that is the damning line 
behind Jimmy's whole life is that he's yeah. got this nickname, Slippin' Jimmy, that follows him around everywhere. And granted, he has done nothing not to re-earn that reputation oh, yeah. over and over and over again. But he, I he went to law school, but he didn't go to a good enough law school. And he got in with HHM, but he never actually, you know, let alone made partner ever become an act, became an actual lawyer. He's had to crawl up, but he's only got what he knows to work with. And what he knows is the slime that his brother hates him for. And his brother represents this, like, per, despite having his quirks, is this form of perfection. And nobody can get away from who they used to be in this show. Like, history follows them everywhere. And every, almost every cold open in the show is a flashback. Oh, yeah. Uh, more or less to reinforce that point that everybody is who they were and they're just struggling to get away from that. I like the uh, dinner scene. Yeah. The flashback one. It's the only scene that you see Chuck's wife in. Or- I thought that scene was really interesting because it painted the first like strong negative of Chuck where he is just kind of a dull personality and the reason he actually has some type of envy for his little brother. His little brother's charming. Yeah, he is not at all. <laughs> He's not like a fun, enjoyable person. Um, one of the, I think the last episode it was, yeah, the last episode of this season was the mom on the bed. Yes, yeah. Um, their mom's last words were Jimmy <laughs> instead of Chuck, who was in the room because Jimmy was out getting some sandwiches. To be fair, for them, they'd been there for like a couple days. They needed to eat. Look, I'm not blaming Jimmy. For yeah, that. I'm not blaming yeah, Jimmy on that one. Fine. Uh, bad timing. Like, people like him. He's yep. likable. He does yep. bad things. But hey, maybe if you gave him a shot and showed was his friend and gave him the right direction. <laughs> but that's not something Chuck would be willing to do. Until that dinner scene, I thought that Chuck might be a widower. But after seeing that, I'm not so sure. I yeah, think no. Something else might have happened. Fucking. Too. Maybe. So, that he's he, just not he a is believable. <laughs> Man, I. And Breaking Bad has its own has its own moral character that is oh, yeah. part of what makes it such a good show in the first place. But man, this show is so morally murky. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, you know, not following Kim around for it, because Kim is on the up and up with someone dragging her down, basically uh, dragging her along. Maybe mm-hmm. might be the right way to say it. But Jimmy doesn't, He's not a redemptive character. Like, no. he wants to stand up for himself and simply can't manage it. Like, every time he tries, his first instinct is to shoot commercials on school property <laughs> or, or to readjust figures in other people's case studies. And, like, that's just, that's how he's wired. He yeah. cannot get away from it. Well, when um, Kim is talking about, like, all right, I need to get... Uh, some extra people in to do these jobs and she's like organizing the way to do things and she says how I don't even know who to call for that and that's just his whole life (laughs) he doesn't know who to call but he doesn't give a shit he'll just figure it out in any way he can immediately think of (laughs) how can I get a shot of me in front of an American flag (laughs) I know I'll go to a cool (laughs) they have those there like it's just reactive thinking and then playing it cool because he's so charming yeah that's pretty good yeah living in the past 
Uh, Mike, the other main character of the show, who we are all a big fan of. Mike Ehrmantraut, the silent professional. Silent professional. He's getting more and more involved with Tuco and the cartel. Los cartelos. All of that is really exciting, and it would be way better if you haven't seen Breaking Bad and know what happens. <laughs> um, it's yes, basically, all yeah. of the interacting characters on his side of the story are dead in Breaking Bad at some point. Yeah, it's there's a couple interesting things with that. One is the way that they're telling two stories in one show simultaneously. They occasionally intersect, but it's, for the most part, two separate stories. Yes. They, they interact there's quite a bit over. in the beginning, yeah. particularly when they give Mike the initial nod. He's in the guard station, and it looks like he's just going to be a cameo, and then it turns out that he's his own deal. But after that, they, they mostly... Ways. Yeah, they're doing a lot of their own things. So I think the show's done a good job of balancing it. Like you can get into trouble when you do too many storylines uh, that aren't connected. Lost had that problem. Game of yeah. Thrones. Game of Thrones has that yeah. problem as well. The first season is the most straightforward because it's, everything is focused. So I they got a damn goal in yeah. the first season. I don't know what anyone's doing in the second, third, I, fourth, fifth, sixth season of Game right. of Thrones. Yeah. So what they need to do with Game of Thrones is release character edition. Uh, VH or not VH? Wow, um, Blu-rays. I almost said VHS, like in earnest. That was weird. They need to release Game of Thrones character Blu-rays, where you just get the parts of a season that involve that character that you want, and then you just see those. <laughs> They'll think, remaster like, it in yeah. that order. Yeah. Like, can I get the Arya series? Yeah. Can I get the Hodor series? That would be good. <laughs> I was gonna that say Bran, but Hodor came to mind first. <laughs> No one yeah, cares about that. Would be interesting, <laughs> yeah. but it, it gets tough. But keeping it with just two the banjo kazooie, just two storylines is is not too bad, and they've done a good job of keeping them balanced between and having them intersect at various points. Oh yeah, no, it's not like they are totally divorced from one another. I mean, Mike every once in a while does need legal help, but um, it they complement each other quite well because Jimmy's stuff gets into the weeds, and Mike's stuff is hard nosed. And even though he's not murdering anybody, he's around murder and crime so that ends up being pretty good yeah the show overall though is very low-key there is not there's tension but that's about the that, that's about the highest the heart rate gets there's never any actual action there's certainly more action at least through season two seasons there was certainly more action in breaking bad than yes in, yes in this show all of the stakes were high in breaking bad it's kind of nice to get away from that just to see some stuff develop do you I'm, think this show could be enjoyed without watching Breaking Bad first? Touched on that a little. Um, yes, I think it can be, but I think Breaking Bad is a better barometer for whether or not you should watch this show because, again, it's entirely Vince Gilligan's vibe built into this show, mm. just with less action. It is, I'm not sure what the exact way to do it's <laughs> how would the first season of Breaking Bad look after, like, if you watch this as a prequel and then watched Breaking Bad? That is something I want to know. I yeah. want to have someone watch this first and then watch Breaking Bad and see what they someone. Yeah, but you, I don't know not who. you. But you'd well, miss. I, I can. I've already seen Breaking Bad. Oh. Yeah. But you'd miss the first scene. You'd miss the cold open of the first season, and yeah. it's so good. That's true. It would have less impact. But I wonder how. Because there have been a bunch of cameos, small, even small oh, yeah. ones to big ones, like Crazy Eight was in one scene. There's a lot of locations. There's a lot of locations. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that the lady behind the desk that uh, Jimmy bribes later becomes 
the person at his desk in Breaking Bad. Secretary? Secretary, yeah. That wouldn't be surprising at all. Uh, yeah. Um, the guy like that, that they ripped off for the expensive tequila at the hotel. Yeah. He was the guy who, who well, blew up his car in the second <laughs> yeah. season. Are you of... fucking real? Yes. How did you... No, what? it's... That's all over the place. The yeah. the um the, the massage place, place. Yeah, the massage that place. Jimmy encourages oh, that Saul Goodman encourages um Walt to buy. Yeah. Is the is his office. <laughs> like, no, it's yeah. it's all tied together. It's tied together in a nice way. And I they don't, don't I don't, don't overdo it. It's oh not no, not at all. And that's I'm super sensitive to fan service of that kind. Yeah. They keep it it gets a little grating occasionally when they bring in too many characters. I feel like too much of the Mexican cartel already showed up yeah. in later things. And th- the way that they paid that back is to make them more important to the storyline. But for the most part, the callbacks are okay. They the only, haven't been too bad. The only one of those that I thought might be e- e- egregious was the uh, the twins. Yeah. Having having Tio Salamanca and Tuco, I think that was fine. But having the twins there was yeah. maybe a little much. Yeah. The sons. But honestly. Regardless, not. Not horrible. Although the scene when they're on the, the roof of the church or whatever, looking at the silly. pool. That's <laughs> hilarious. That scene was a little silly. <laughs> There's definitely, there is there is some silliness that goes along with this. Also, it uh, it retains, and this, this just goes back, this fits hand in glove with the suburban feel of a Gilligan thing. We know what everyone drives in this show. Yeah. Because in the suburbs, everybody has a car. Yeah. And it becomes part of who you are because it's how you get everywhere. So it, it's just, it's a thing that you know about everybody. I Now that you mention that, yeah. I've never yeah, noticed never in a show, like, this is that character's car. I've never really taken notice to that. Like People I don't get anywhere in other yeah. shows. They're just there already. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Like, I'd never thought of that in relation to Breaking Bad either. But the Aztec is the such Aztec a big is part of that show. The Aztec is iconic in that yeah. show. I know that Mike's car has that velvet red interior. Mike's yeah. car looks like a fucking hearse, yeah. and you see it all the time. Yeah, like it yeah. shows up all over the place. Jimmy's car is multiple colors, mostly yellow, <laughs> which I is think even it has commented on in the show. I think it has gunshots in it now. Probably, maybe, probably, yeah. most likely. I know that uh, Kim's car is a dark blue, uh, like one of those fancy sports cars. No, no, we see every yeah, we see nice. everybody's car. Good. Because yeah, everybody's got they got a they got a place to be. They gotta, gotta get, get somewhere even, somehow. Even Howard, who spends most of his time in the office, you see his car. Yeah, no, it's oh. it, it's just oh it, shit, yeah. It's part of the aesthetic of suburban life is that everybody drives a car, and to some extent, they're defined by it. Yellow Hummer. Yeah, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, it fills out the character. The, the characters are really filled out, and because this is basically a gaiden, that's Japanese for side story. I found it. Um, <laughs> Knowledge. Uh, you got to get up on the mic for the sides. Oh, okay. Uh, what is a gaiden? A going? gaiden is Japanese for side story. So ninja gaiden is actually just ninja side story, and there is no main game. How meaningless. Yeah, anyway, um, because this is kind of a side story, seeing everybody fleshed out that well, even though it was done really well in Breaking Bad, um, seeing everything... It it almost feels behind the scenes in a way. Like this is stuff we were thinking about when making Breaking Bad, but it was kind of just extra information for us to play around with. And now we get to make a show out of it, and that's that's fun. It's, it's like cup holders. Yeah, it's a look into the creator's mind, mm. and it's nothing but those little nuances of like what makes this character this way. 
Those are fun, except for the twins. They're just there. <laughs> they're just there. They have skull I shoes. think they're ghosts, Probably. to be honest. Almost certainly. They're like the twins from Matrix. Yeah, I was about to say the ones from the... Oh, that was a bad one, though. Yeah. It had its moments, but not many. Like that lady who orgasmed from eating a cake. It's like a yeah. digital orgasm. It's a good scene. That whole, from that point to like the rest of that movie was okay. It was like a long <laughs> fight scene and chase scene, and it was okay. But The movie really kicked off with the digital orgasm. Yeah. As movies... She that's not that the, right. Yeah, it's not the first time I've said that, probably. No. Probably not. Um... I mean, it's uh, TV shows are hard to talk about compared to, say, movies because movies have a more general cohesion, and a movie's not trying to string you along. I mean, both seasons of this ended on a cliffhanger. Uh, so, that's kind of annoying, but but, but of, that's television. Yeah, it's television. Like you don't. Yeah, that's that's just how it works. Um, closing thoughts on this. I can't think of another prequel series that has been as well done as this there aren't or prequel in general there aren't very many sure star Um, wars star wars is not good (laughs) the hobbit even though it's not really a prequel because it's based on books not that great um battlestar galactica had caprica came out which was a prequel series which is okay devil may cry 3 was good yeah Video games can be a little bit. Yeah, video games them. can do. I think they do sequels better, probably. Yeah, because yeah. the stories are all shit. Yeah, it's usually just how good is a game. I heard Monsters University was okay. I never thought. Yeah, I didn't care for that. No, you didn't like it? It didn't appeal to me. No. Okay. The premise seemed kind of silly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's unusual, though, because you... Especially when, like, the premise of that movie is we need a new energy source. A, we solved it. So taking a leap back from that of, like, none of that mattered... When when the sequel when the original movie doesn't matter, the the, sequ- the prequel kind of loses it for me. Yeah, it's tough because yeah, it's you tough. get you have less space to work with. If you're just doing a series, you can expand it as far as you want. Yeah, but if you're doing a prequel and if you don't want to retcon have to retcon, yeah. uh, what you've already done, you're kind of constrained. And I think they're doing a really good job of building. Expanding the world without encroaching on what Breaking Bad did while still retaining yeah. the same character or similar characters and, and oh yeah so. and and I think it manages to pull that off simply by the virtue of keeping it toned down a little that bit might be like why. they don't bother to raise the stakes very much yeah. and uh, that can be to the series detriment occasionally I mean you can it you can lose the thread of why exactly we're supposed to care about what's going on to some degree but that's you know it's just a little closer to real life than um a high school teacher cooking industrial amounts of meth to cover medical bills <laughs> yeah a little bit like uh breaking bad <laughs> is and that that's fine by me I will certainly I I am way way into a season three of this show. Oh, me too. Should it show up. All right, so can I pitch my idea for the next hit television series? Uh, sure. All right, so much like Breaking Bad, we have the guy needs to make money to pay for his medical bills, so he cooks a bunch of meth. So we get, all right, basically the Robin Hood of uh, Medicaid. What he does is he finds crime, like kind of like how Mike's doing right now, where he's just like robbing the bad guys. And then he uses it to fund his, you know, daughter. I'm assuming daughter-in-law and granddaughter. Sure. They kind of imply there. Uh, but he's just using, like, because no, they can't call the cop. You're just stealing from bad guys and giving to yourself. But then you have that Superman pressure of, like, they can't know my true identity. So it's, it's like that, 
toned down, and it's just Mike. It's a series about Mike. You yeah. should just have a Mike series. Yeah. But Mike Aaron Trout. You can add one thing to that series, make it good. Just a montage with wacky waving and flashy arms. <laughs> yeah, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, there are some good moments. That scene throughout. was fantastic. Even yeah. though it went on for like 20 minutes, it I did. still enjoyed it. That episode went on for absolutely <laughs> yeah. ever. There's some good some good wardrobing, some good banter. It's a good series. Looking yeah. forward to more of it. For sure. Check it out on your phone. I guess. Yeah. It's like what? I, I think you're on season, your phone right now, probably. Yeah, I think the season's what, twenty bucks on Amazon, which is a little steep for internet prices. So Entertainment is free, David. That is true. It is free everywhere. If all you the use time. your imagination. <laughs> use your imagination. <laughs> um, <sighs> I already said closing thoughts, but Dylan derailed that by going into his <laughs> fantasy about a Mike Ehrman Trout show. That was my closing thought. I want a Mike Ehrman Trout show. Trout season one coming to a theater near you July 20, 2017. He's got to be so old by then. It's so bummed. In and Trout. He needs I'm to so do, bummed he out. He needs to do another prequel. <laughs> he does. Where he's in Philadelphia. Trout of Control. Yeah. I like that one. I'm Keep going. That one. Nope. Um, nope. Inside Trout. That's going to do it. <laughs> All right. For this edition of the Consumption Log slash Machination Log. Dylan, Mitchell. How it Trout it. Peace. Out. Trout. Good morning, everybody.